What is going on, everyone? Welcome to this week's Pardon the Disruption. This one certainly will not disappoint. I'm your host, Matthew Potter, short sale guy, hedge fund connection, and co-founder of the Family Tree at Real Broker. Let me know if I can help you grow your business. Uh, real quick, for those that are tuning in uh, for the first time, just want to give you a breakdown of how we're doing things around here. We have five questions. Every one of our esteemed panelists will get uh, one minute to go ahead and respond, and then after that, chop it up for two minutes. We're going to go ahead and start with intros. Uh, right now, I see Mr. RJ Bates, this, that, and the third down in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth. Go ahead and introduce yourself. What's up, everybody? Um, RJ Bates, excited for today's episode because after three months of being absent, <laughs> Eric Brewer is back. So shout out to Eric. <laughs> um, shout out to CJ for being sponsored by Nike today. Um, shout out to my belts. They're looking shiny. And uh, shout out to Potter for already being a socialist as far as judging goes uh, before the episode even started. So excited. I mean, to be fair, RJ, the only thing I was judging was your horrible lack of Never mind. We're gonna leave it alone. All right. Next up, we we got we got uh, CJ out in uh, Richmond, Virginia. Go ahead and introduce yourself to our uh, audience. Chris Jefferson, man, Richmond, VA, the U, <laughs> um, fellas. You know, good to see you. Right. Uh, you know, somebody like RJ Bass claims to be so excited. He only smiles when I speak and respond back and give answers. So shout out to him. Uh, Stephen Trang is here. Uh, happy birthday, Stephen. It's good to see you. Uh, Eric, you look good. All right. It's good to see you again, man. Uh, you look like you're in a Regis office. I thought you moved to a new building, but good to see you. Uh, Potter, my brother, what's up, man? Uh, always a pleasure. Let's rock and roll, man. Let's go. It's going to be a fun one today. All right. Next up, we have Mr. Disruptor himself, Steve Trang. Say hi to the people. So I see what happens here, right? So every every time we start the show, RJ talks some nonsense, CJ talks some nonsense, and then he gives a compliment to the host, to the judge. So I see the strategy now, right? Shout out to the you and shout out to Potter. Uh, I feel like we got a bit of an intervention here. Like the guys are trying to tell me, try to tell me something. We got uh, we got Brewer looking like we're at the Olympics, about to hit the switch or something. We got CJ with the Nike. Like, it just feels like you guys are trying to tell me I've gained too much weight or something. I appreciate your guys' kindness and saying this subtly. Looking forward to today's show. New Year's resolutions start on December 14th, Steve. Come on. Uh, let's get let's get going. Let's get in the gym. All right. Last, certainly not least, we found him. Thank you for the milk box, uh, you know, the search. Uh, we have Eric Brewer, the mayor of York, Pennsylvania. Say hi to the people, Brewer. What's up, everybody? It's good to be back. I was... I don't know that it was three months, but I had been gone for a while. I was working on some important stuff, um, meaningful work with people uh, I really like being around. So today's kind of cool for a change of pace because um, this resembles none of that. Um, RJ said that he found me on a milk box and there's only two things you need to track me down. A text message, which he's proven he's incapable of <laughs> and a deal you if you if you either one of those things hit my inbox you can find me but rj hasn't done a deal since he did 55 and 40 states or whatever like back in august <laughs> and uh yeah so i'm looking forward to today so i can go back to the important meaningful work with people that i like 
we're we're very privileged that you took a break just for us, bro. We we appreciate that. Thank you. Um, all right, we're gonna go ahead and get into it with question number one. Uh, Democratic senators introduced a bill outlawing hedge funds from owning single family houses. What are your thoughts? Start us off, RJ. Man, so I I posted this on my TikTok and Instagram last week, and it just went insane in the comment section. And I'm frankly just shocked by the American people. I mean, their reaction was, this is amazing news. This is is great. Um, This is exactly what we want. We're going to vote for it. So it's clearly what the American people want. What are my thoughts? I mean, it's the same thing that I said when we talked about DeSantis wanting to get rid of or outlawing Chinese citizens from owning real estate in Florida. It's a slippery slope when the government starts mandating who can own and not own real estate. What stops them from eventually saying, hey, you can only own two properties. I mean, we're going down a path that I just personally don't like. I don't think anyone sees it that way. They see that this is a good move, and I disagree. There we go. Yes, RJ, your uh, chat section was amazing on uh, Instagram. All right, CJ, what about you? What are your thoughts on this? You know, for shout out to RJ Bass for somebody that believes that the government shouldn't intervene. Why would you support government intervention? RJ, here's what's going to happen. Here's what this really actually means in reality. See, prior to the Great Recession, hedge funds weren't able to buy single-family houses. It became an asset class back during the Great Recession. That's when this whole thing started. We've been on this run-up of, of, of cost of living, right, of inflation for the last 14 years. So here's what's going to happen. We've all benefited from selling the hedge funds over the years. I certainly have. RJ, I know that you have. We all have, right? But what happens when people's wages don't continue to go up? We have hedge funds that own 35% of single-family houses across the country right now within the last 14 years. So that means in the next 14 years, they could potentially own 70% of single-family houses. So when people can't afford to pay rent, people can't afford to even get a mortgage, who do you think they're going to have to turn to to be able to exist? That's called the government. Ooh, there we go. Deep dive from CJ. All right, Steve, what are your thoughts on this? I don't think it goes far enough. You know, I think we should not only outlaw outlaw corporations from having properties. We should also outlaw landlords having properties, right? If you look at my TikTok, people hate landlords. We should outlaw outlaw landlords. And then we should also, after that, start identifying like particular demographics, right? Certain demographics shouldn't be allowed to own houses. And I think at the end, we should just have no one being allowed to own houses. We should just have it all owned by the government. I think that's probably the best solution. Just have the government own everything. I think at that point, everyone will win because everything will be affordable and well-kept and optimized. I think that's the ideal solution. I absolutely love that regardless of what the calendar says, 420 Steve just showed up for this show. So that's great. We appreciate it. All right, Brewer, what are your thoughts? You know, it's difficult sometimes for me to respond to this stuff because there's like keywords or buzzwords that trigger me, like democratic. So like I, I feel like, and, and I've realized that when a Democratic senator introduces anything, my knee-jerk reaction is to dislike it. So that's not fair, right? I should be a little bit more open-minded. So let's work by, by no offense, CJ, like nothing against you as a Democrat. Um, 
by the way, Chris uh, <laughs> Potter, because RJ consistently attacks Matthew Potter for being a socialist. You, you were sending off some socialist vibes there with nobody can own anything at a commercial level. It's all got to be. I, I'm surprised affordable housing didn't leak in there somehow. It did actually very early on in your response. But the reality is, I think if you if you really look at the core of what we're being told is that there's a lot of things that uh, uh, like people owning a home and having a place to call their own and how that affects everything from like addictions to uh, the family staying together to all of this, you know, building wealth. It's the number one way they say that um, the average American blue collar person has the opportunity to build wealth. Um, I think there probably needs to be some control where it's not like what CJ said. I mean, it's crazy to think about corporations owning 70% of housing, I think would be excessive. Um, it's hard to imagine that that would happen, but I think there has to be this, this, this compromise. It can't be over-regulated and I don't think it can just be left for the market to dictate. Um, I think it's a very, like someone else said, a slippery slope. I think it's a, a decision needs to be made and there would be nothing worse than doing nothing in my opinion. Okay. So we're now we're just, just blurring all of the lines together. The, the the facts that CJ just strolls out there, we're talking about hedge funds. We're talking about institutional buyers. They own 3%, not whatever astronaut, 35% you throw out. What are you talking about, CJ? <laughs> are, like, you, are you rebutting? You want to rebut right now or you want to wait? Go ahead. Go ahead with whatever you just made <laughs> I'll up. Be, I'll be respectful to the platform, then I'll fucking ether you afterwards. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> You just, would you just do a Google search after I responded? I got you, man. I'll give you a second. Keep looking on Google. So you're Keep saying on Google. Wait for Steve. Keep looking on Google. Hedge funds. Thirty-five percent. Thirty-five percent is an astronomical number. Listen. I'm wondering, are you including apartments here? Are you including REITs? What are you? What are we talking about? Because it's not hedge Listen. funds. <clears throat> Listen, institutional. What's the stat, RJ? Institutions own how much of single-family homes right now in America? Three percent. All right, it's three percent. Let's just say it's three percent. How long do you think that continues to compound if we don't do something about it? Whether you could call it three, you call it six, you can call it two, you can call it one. The fact of the matter is still the same. People can't afford rent right now. I don't know what rock you're under. People can't afford rent right now. People can't afford mortgages right now. Housing is continuing to go up. People's wages have not gone up. Look up that stat if you got time, right? People's wages have not gone up, RJ, in the last 14 years, bro. How do you think people are going to be able to afford this when hedge funds, institutions, can purchase these properties at margins that don't work for you. They don't work for me. That's why we wholesale to them for 2020 to 2022. So let me ask you this, because they great points, right? So this was introduced by the senators in Washington State and Oregon, where hedge funds don't buy deals. So for for your for your friends that can't afford the rent in Portland, Oregon, how is this going to fix their problem? No, it's a, it's a nationwide problem. It's not a state to state issue. It's this is a nationwide problem right now. So the right. senator uh, so of CJ, Oregon now cares though, about right. what's going on in Ohio. But what's to stop it from like hedge funds can't buy can't own properties to like okay, CJ, you're only allowed to have five rentals. No, no, right? no look, like, don't be mistaken. I know you guys are like you get you get hard for the Republican Party. Listen, man, I'm not <laughs> I'm not saying what the answer is i think you guys are grossly mistaken i'm not saying chris jefferson has the answer i'm acknowledging the problem that you were not acknowledging as investors because we directly benefit from that selling properties to institutions 
That wasn't right. the question. And also, I would just like to judge if you can just enforce this. I'm tired of being besmirched and smeared on the show. <laughs> I did not vote for Biden. I do not identify as a Republican. This is insulting. <laughs> insulting. I hate this. CJ, what's the, I think what you said were two, two accurate things, but what is the correlation between wages and the three percent of hedge of property that are owned by institutional like how how does that solve inflation what's the right, would, would, you, would you agree or disagree eric that when I, you sold deals to hedge funds i'm sure right you do a ton of no. business all right you haven't all right but for those of us who had the per properties that they purchased from us they take it to a market rent or they they take it to a market rate to sell it right ideally the business model is to take it to market rate at all times like that's the model and the model is to create margin because they don't look at the asset like we do as it's a house they look at it as an asset that they can turn money on and create margin to get returns for their investors. So as they go for market each and every time, I mean, what's what's the fail safe? Like what, what do you do? You just they acknowledge, Eric, hold on a second real quick. Eric, you just acknowledge in your response <clears throat> that something's got to be done, right? They're going to continue to buy up, continue to buy up, continue to buy up. And it pulls properties from people that aren't like us. They only have the opportunity to create wealth in this country generally from their home. So somebody who bought a house in 2015 and they sold it in 2020 or 2022 and they made 100,000 or 200,000 from selling that house, bro, that's life-changing money for somebody. For you, it could be peanuts. But for them, that's life-changing generational money that allows them to be able to get to the next level. And we're compressing that over time. So maybe it doesn't affect us in our lifetime, right? But then what happens as generations continue? What happens to our children? What happens to my children, your children? Like what, what happens? I think at some point, CJ, or you're talking about like the rents keep going up, right? Because A, I don't agree with you that they push it to market rent. I believe they push it past market rent, right? So, I mean, that's even a stronger argument for your position. Yeah, because who does it? Right? But, no, we but, all but that's the problem, though. Right. But, but my point is, it? eventually there's downward pressure on the price because you can't keep raising it forever, right? If you keep raising forever, you're not going to have it rented. They can't keep pushing it forever. Agreed. And I will also say, as a landlord, one of actually the only expense that really keeps pushing me wanting to raise rent is property taxes that is one of the biggest expenses that i have to continue to raise rent to be able to even cash flow all right y'all i took this one to the chat uh we have a tie so two points awarded one to steve one to rj on this one um good definitely good healthy discussion there all right we're going to get into question number two reports yeah, i have a technical question before we go to round two if any <clears throat> of the participants don't pay attention and don't want to do their job can we go to the chat to get an answer Cer certainly <laughs> is that is that okay if we just do that <laughs> yes absolutely feel, feel free to go to the chat <laughs> it goes okay got it it's like all right RJ, it goes both ways. question two <laughs> <laughs> reports have shown that people ages 30 to 64 are encountering harder standards of living than their parents how do generations prepare to exist in this new economy start us off steve um i mean i think if you look at the fact that if you're not able to live the life you want based off your current situation to do something about it i think that's kind of consistent with my message last week of you know like don't be a baby right so i think you gotta first take stock and have the self-awareness to realize okay this is not what i want but then you got to ask the question what can i do about it because i think the general position 
for 80 to 90 percent of the country is like this sucks and then it's someone else's fault so i think if you don't like a situation you could do something about it you can change careers you don't have to you know social media is always pushing entrepreneurship it doesn't have to be entrepreneurship it could be trade school right it could be some other industry other industry so i think the first thing is if there's if you're not happy with your current situation and you're not making the kind of money you want to make is look at some other skills you can acquire to change your situation because most of the people won't and you can improve your own current situation as a result of that there you go <clears throat> all right brewer what are your thoughts i think about i'm I might be the oldest person here, but I, I've gotten Definitely. to this phase in life where I, I remember when my grandparents and I was like maybe, I don't know, old enough to remember, um, say, seven to 10 years old. My grandparents would tell me about like being able to buy a gallon of milk for a nickel. And like it just seemed crazy, right? Because at that time, people were making seven, eight, nine bucks an hour and a nickel was like a meaningless amount of money. And I think now we've just gone, so that was what, 40 years ago? And enough time has passed where like for people that are old enough to remember what prices were 10, 15 years ago, inflation seems absolutely crazy. But over the last hundred years, this has happened realistically every 15 to 20 years. So yeah, prices are up. It's crazy to think between the age of 30 and 60 or whatever, it's more expensive. But there's also different cycles that that come back around, like being a skilled trade today is a $150,000 a year job, where for the last 15 years or so, um, it wasn't. That wage was not enough for someone to, to make a reasonable living. So I think there's opportunity out there today that supersedes the increase in the cost of living. You just have to be willing and go and do the work. Um, but if you're hoping to just be the same person you were 15 years ago and be able to save money and enjoy a certain lifestyle that you did 15 years ago, it's, it's unrealistic without leveling up your skill. There we go. All right. What about you, RJ? What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, this is, um, I, I feel like me and CJ are about to get into it again on this one. <laughs> um, I, I, I feel like I live in a world right now that there's so much opportunity to make money. Um, you know, my parents started a business in the early nineties. And I remember that the way for them to generate business in the forms of marketing was running ads in the yellow pages. And by literally going out and door knocking and asking if those companies needed office furniture, that's what my parents did. They sold office furniture and the struggles that they had to go through. I don't know if my dad was still alive, if he looked at me today and would say, man, it's so much harder for you than it was for me. That dude had to work his ass off for every penny that he made. And, and to be quite frank, it's, it's pretty easy to make money nowadays with the opportunities that we have with the internet, social media, the ability to reach masses. And I get it, most people are gonna say, well, I don't wanna be an entrepreneur. Well, then that's the choice you're making. You're making the choice for it to be difficult if you're not willing to uh, capitalize on the opportunities that exist in front of you in today's time and age. There we go. Okay. All right, CJ, what are your thoughts? I think it's unfortunate. You know, I mean, think about it really, right? If you're 30 to 64, Brewer says go to trade school. You know, you go get an apprenticeship. What is that last brewer? I think is it one, one year, two years? 
Two All years. right. So you're an apprentice for two years. You got to go work for somebody. Sure, you're making 150000 But here, here's here's my perspective, I guess. Look, I mean, again, people aren't getting paid more money, right? And what's, what's unfortunate about that is here's what happened during the recession. Uh, and, and it's interesting how we, we've gotten so far removed from gaining perspective from it. Corporations understood some something specific during the recession that regardless of how bad it got, that you still had to show up for work if you were an average everyday American. They figured that out. And so what they start doing, they started building campuses at big major corporations. They started adding cafes to the building. They started putting gyms at the building. They started adding entertainment just to make sure that you came to work because they've simply realized that's why people don't get paid more now. Why would I pay anybody more that works at a major corporation if I know that you don't have a choice but to have a job so that you can exist? Right. You're not going to want to not exist. You're not going to want to not be able to have the life that you currently have. So, you know, how do generations prepare to exist in a new economy? There's only one answer. You got to figure out how to make more money, whatever that looks like for you. Yeah. Well, I think you got to figure that out. But I think the other thing, too, is I, I gen genuinely believe that there's plentiful opportunities if you're willing to go out there and get it. Right. And so uh, one of the things for me, uh, one of my passions with uh, real estate disruptors, creating 100 millionaires is I'm trying to push entrepreneurship. I'm trying to push capitalism because the more successful people that are out there, it all goes downhill, right? If everyone here makes twice as much money, we spend twice as much money and we're able to go to nicer restaurants, buy more products, the velocity of money is moving along, right? The biggest challenge we have is that everyone today is trained to go to school, right? To go to college, to get a good job so you can go work at a corporation and then be happy, right? with that lifestyle. Like a lot of us, I don't know if all of us, but a lot of us here, I think on here, like uh, the rich dad, poor dad opened our eyes to another possibility that there's another way to go through life. And my hope with real estate disruptors was to push that message out there. But I think the more, the more that people are aware there are other options besides the traditional going to school and working in a corporation, I think that solves your concern uh, specifically here, CJ. Yeah, I mean, hopefully so, but uh, people got to be able to survive, right? I mean, you know, look, if you want to go to trade school, bro, you got to have resources to get there. It's not free, right? Somebody's got to be able to pay for it, bro. And so, you know, you know, when I hear all these things, right, like I'm, I'm, I'm privileged, I'm, but I can say that I don't, I'm not ashamed to say that. I, I can, I can say that I grew up upper middle class, right? Like, but, but things aren't lost on me though either. I just had a board meeting this morning organization i'm a member with rj's favorite organization you should donate housing opportunities made equal right uh that, that that is focused on fair and equal housing for people uh throughout the country and just the harsh harsh realities if you go into the communities that are disenfranchised people don't have the resources that you think people don't have the access to you think right there's there's a reason that they're trying to get kids computers in schools right it's because they didn't have access to them right uh, and unfortunately, we're in the social media age where now everybody's bombarded with, you know, short term brains like, they, you know, people can't even learn quickly. So, again, I just yes. it's just unfortunate. Yes, that's true. But at the same time, we, they're also exposed to other things as well. Right. Like I said, like the, the concept of entrepreneurship, like one of the things that we've talked about on PTD months, months ago was like everyone's making other everyone on social media appears to make everyone that's not an entrepreneur feel bad about themselves. Right. Like that's kind of the message. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm cool. And so on. Right. The flip side of that is that we are exposing more people to the idea, the concept of working for yourself, investing yourself oh, and sure. going to do some going to do something different. I'm, I'm all about that. I'm a part of that. Right. I, I think what makes it tough 
is again just is just resources, right? Like it's one thing to have exposure. There's so how many people, man, have you exposed to wholesaling with your platform? You think everybody you exposed to wholesaling believe they could do it? No. So the problem is deeper than that, right? The problem is deeper is is, is the belief, is the awareness, right? So it's not, I don't think the, the, the lack of resources, although a major, major problem is not the biggest problem. I think the biggest problem is belief. Yeah. The belief that it's possible. Another thing too, I just want to uh, wrap it up with here is that I can't help but move forward looking at CJ and just think hashtag white privilege. <laughs> but, but I, I want to I add on. So one last thing, Potter. All I'll right. Miss. All right. I'll, I'll allow it. We cut out a whole question so we could have more time. Come on now. Uh, I'm wondering, 30 to 64, that's a huge gap in age. I'm curious, if you narrowed that down, how many people in the age range of 55 to 64 are saying it's harder than the people from 30 to 39? I think if you if you narrowed that down to the people that are 30 to 39, I don't think they would say it's it's quite as difficult as we're making it out to be. Yeah, all right. You know, well, we'll take that under consideration. Uh, the ability to be tech savvy, that's where I'm going with that. I like, got hey, you. The yeah. ability to use technology and to be able to create money and opportunities for yourself. I think that age gap is going to see what's available to them right now. I definitely understand that. I'm at the age where I get frustrated with technology already, and I just hand it to my teenagers. I'm like, here you go. Figure this out. I'm old man. It's old man Potter over here. All right. That round, uh, great arguments by everybody. Uh, I, as you can see, we're getting into a little bit different format here. So there's going to be multiple points. Uh, point to CJ, point to uh, Steve on that one. Um, RJ, let, let's do better next time. Eric, let's uh, let's hire some plumbers and some electricians at 150 Gs a year. Let's do it. Let's go, bro. All right. For question number three, what do you guys think on this video? Well, have they lost the locker room? What is going on here with Mahomes? I just said the frustration is growing. It's going to be back-to-back -back losses. We had that graphic early in the game about how he doesn't lose two straight. That's what it took Patrick, in the end. And it was. Yep. He's upset with the refs. I've never seen him like that before. He was yelling at the refs. Great respect for those two. For one another. That's the third. What are you guys' thoughts on Mahomes as the Chiefs leader uh, with regards to that video? Uh, go ahead and start us off, CJ. Uh, I'm, look, I'm a, I'm a big Mahomes fan. I, I think he lost his composure, lost his cool. Uh, to me, it's a professional environment. Ultimately, he's a reflection to a lot of people. It's, it's not any way to act in that, that particular environment. Um, I mean, let's just be honest, man. The Chiefs just ain't as good as they thought they are. Right, or they used to be. And uh, sometimes sometimes you got to check your emotions. I think a lot of times in business and these type of environments, uh, people can get overly emotional uh, unnecessarily. I don't think emotions belong in business. And uh, I think they should just be more passionate about getting back to practice and getting better uh, versus uh, thinking that they got cheated. Everybody gets cheated by the refs. But, you know, RJ's at his, at his field hockey game on the weekends on Saturday mornings playing field hockey and getting mad at the ref, right? Like, I, I mean, everybody gets mad at the ref when they lose. For those in other parts of the country, that's also known as lacrosse. We also have lacrosse. <laughs> All right, Steve, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, it's unfortunate, but, you know, this is just one of the things that happens as, as, a, as a leader, right? I mean, you got a lot of eyeballs on you. 
and you wish you could be a perfect leader 100 times out of 100, 10 times out of 10, but he's human. He's going to make mistakes, right? Like that's a guy. Yeah, he, he lost his mind. He made a giant mistake. He overplayed his hand and went crazy. But I will still follow that guy, right? Like as a leader, you're going to make mistakes, right? He didn't blast his team. He didn't come. He didn't come over and scream at Tony and say, hey, like you screwed up for the last time. I'm tired of this. Like, he didn't go in there and blast his team. There should be some accountability conversations privately within that. But publicly, he fought for his team. There's the same thing as last week. We're talking about FSU, right? If you're fighting for the team, you're going to make some mistakes. You're going to look dumb at times. But that's a leader I will follow because he's fighting for me and my teammates. All right. All right. Didn't even use the full minute. We're proud of you, Steve. Thank you for that. All right, bro. What are your thoughts? Yeah, my initial response when I watched it was it seemed a little childish. It seemed pouty. I think um, certainly Mahomes and the Chiefs have been probably more on the, the the receiving end of the benefits of those types of calls in some really big situations, right? And uh, I don't recall him why he might have speaking about those situations, about being the the you know uh, benefiting from those. So when you saw him act out like that, like even when he greeted. Um, you know, the other quarterback at midfield, he didn't say, Hey, good game, way to go get a W, you know, way to battle. He just, he carried that excuse over, um, for as long as people would listen. So it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. I mean, the guy, I would say for 95% of those high pressure situations has carried himself as a pro. He had a little bit of a slip up. Um, I'm sure he's feeling some pressure and he didn't handle that adversity the, the you know the best way possible, but it certainly wasn't the worst. Um, I do agree with the competitive nature. We all um, fight hard not to lose and we want to win and it's it's really, really difficult when it doesn't go our way. I would have liked to see him take more responsibility, say, hey, you know, would have been real easy to say we shouldn't have put ourselves in that situation where one call, um, you know, could make or break. Like, I mean, they, they had plenty of opportunities. They, they realistically should have beat Buffalo by two scores. Um, so I understand it. It is human. Um, I think he gets a, a little bit of a pass here, but it smells of entitlement, right? Like he's, he's got some wins under his belt. He's, he's had some success and it almost feels like um, he's, he's becoming a little entitled and I, I don't like that. Yes, indeed. All right, RJ, what are your thoughts? Oh, dude, I loved it. I I completely disagree with these three. That That's the guy I want playing quarterback for my team. I want to see the fire, the passion behind it, um, and the message behind what he was saying. It wasn't that he got robbed. It was actually he was talking about the NFL needs to protect their brand, where at the end of these games, we need to stop talking about the referees, and we need to be talking about the amazing plays that the players are making. His point was is that Travis Kelsey making that play, we got robbed of that being one of the greatest all-time plays in NFL history, potentially. And the comment that he made to Josh Allen at the 50-yard line, I loved. This is a team that he could potentially be facing in the playoffs. He walked right up to Josh and said, that's the worst call ever. AKA letting him know, like, hey, you know for a fact that we we you should have had an opportunity to do a game-winning drive there at the, at the end. You got lucky that you walked out of here with a W without having to earn it. Um, I loved all of the messaging, even the subliminal mind games he was playing with Josh Allen there. Um, he's not the coach. He's not Andy Reid. He's not the person that's supposed to stand up. He's supposed to be the player. He's supposed to be the passionate 
uh, locker room leader there, and that's that's who I would want leading my locker room. I love Mahomes. So there's three things here. First, uh, I think you know he looks really bad in front of the eyes of all the Swifties, right? I mean, like <laughs> the reason why the Chiefs are such a big deal right now is right. It's because of the Swifties. Uh, B, if you were the Bills and you lost because of this, you'd be pissed. Like it's an obvious, obvious blown call, right? Uh, and then the third, like Tom Brady is a complete jerk on some of these post games where they lose, and no one says anything about that. How come Tom Brady gets a pass? Uh, but he, Mahomes doesn't. He's not gotten a pass. They they've talked about that for years about him just walking off the field and not you know congratulating the quarterback at the fifty yard line. I loved it then. I still love it now. I mean, and here's the thing: it wasn't an obvious call. Tony looked at the ref and asked yeah. if he was on the line. There are videos that have come out where he was on the same why, side as Von Miller or whoever the other player was. Then why didn't the referee tell him to back up? And do your job. I thought, you can't I rely on someone else to do a check. good job. I thought they said he didn't do a lineup check. He, he, he did. did. He walked up, he looked at the ref, and then he looked back at the, the ball. He did. The but you can't expect someone. Yeah, typically, That's right? Normally, the refs. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a courtesy. It's not, it's not a requirement. That's true. Same thing happened in Terry McLaurin last year, man. I mean, it's a game of inches. So to say that, like, it, like again, I think if you just if you flip it, and a defensive lineman was was over the ball like that, and he sacked Mahomes, and the game was over, they'd be freaking out. So it, it's it's got. I get that we want. That's the that's the definition, RJ. What you're talking about is scripted. We want to have a magnificent finish, and we want to have this play. So we're gonna not make the right call. For entertainment purposes, we still saw the play. If honestly, it's probably getting more attention because of these circumstances than it would have if he just made the play. So, um, I, listen, I, I don't know, Eric. You don't strike me as someone that ever played football. You, you don't seem very <laughs> athletic. So, I just here's the thing. I, I actually played football. I actually wanted to be a football coach. There are. It's not a courtesy. I wonder why you aren't. It's because it's, it's, I decided to, to coach real estate investors instead. Got it. So there's more money in that, okay? Now, it's not a courtesy. It's every single play, the wide receivers that are on the line of scrimmage, ask the referee, am I good? Yes. If you're not, they tell you, yo, back up, back up. Like Maybe the ref was so happen. blown away by how far off sides he was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was off by like 12 inches. It wasn't had, like, had are you off by three inches? Zero doesn't matter. impact on the play. It doesn't matter. You're, you're off. Like, the, the what do we talk about when we're playing sports, right? Like, hey, you have to be good enough to beat the other team and the officiating. You can never let the officiating be the determining factor. RJ, if he, looks, if he looks for approval and he doesn't get it, what should he assume? He should assume that he's good because the referee's not without approval. Then why up. even look? Why not just not check he and look at it? it. If he... No, Eric's saying, Eric's saying, if you if you're asking for acknowledgement and somebody doesn't acknowledge you, so like this is what he's saying. I'll, I'll say it so you can understand, it, RJ. Yeah, so when you when you send me and Eric a deal, and then we don't respond, <laughs> that's, a not, that, that, yeah. that's a response, bro. The deal sucks. No, no I text. <laughs> back and say slow feed don't eat <laughs> i use your own line against you and in this case yeah he looked at the ref the ref didn't say anything he's good 
That's not good. You, if you're good, they would go. You're good. They wouldn't. No. They wouldn't. They're, they're, they're supposed. They do it every play. They either say you're good or no. Back up. Back up. They didn't say. He didn't say you're good. He didn't say anything. He just exactly. You Means said he either good. says you're good or he says back up. If he didn't say anything, he's not saying you're good. I would go. I might want to back up. That'd be a false start if he backed up. I think the lining up is where you screwed up. If you backed up at that point, it'd be a false start. Oh man, is but that's a that's a pre-snap flag. You still would have had the opportunity to run the play. Ooh, there you go. Now the clock's running. All right, all right. The clock's running. All right, all right. There was a minute forty left. (laughs) Time was not a problem. It's not like it was the last play of the game either. There was it was just under two minutes. All right. So on that round, um, going back to the initial part, um, I'm. I'm with Eric on this one. Like I've I've been a huge proponent of Mahomes being a little bit overrated and acting like a big baby at the end. Uh, that's the that's the vibe I got on it. So point to EB uh, kicking it in the 1984 uh, sweatsuit over there. We love it. Thank you, Brewer. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, real quick, wanted to give a shout out to Pat Hilton and Acoustic Force for sponsoring today's episode. Go ahead and check out this app. The world is changing. So is the world of business. It's never been easier to get your message out to the entire planet. Let me help you crack the code today. My name is Pat Hilton. My social media agency can produce you the same custom digital content that landed me on stage at the biggest business events in the world. I've rocked the roof off with the best digital marketers in the game. Getting social media content filmed and produced for your business is now as easy as ordering a cup of coffee and hopping on a video call with your friend. We find trending topics in your niche, coach you through recording in the comfort of your home or office, create engaging clips and graphics, then upload them online and manage all your social media pages. Bring your brand to life. Contact Acoustic Force Media today. Awesome. All right. Next up, keeping on the sports train to everybody on the panel, except for RJ's favorite sport, baseball. Next question, does Otani deserve a $700 million contract from the Los Angeles Dodgers? All right, go ahead and start us off, Burr. I mean, the short answer is yes. The guy's a generational talent. He plays two positions at the highest level. Mm. Um. Last year, I was just looking up to last year, Major League Baseball did 10 billion in revenue, an average of 300, almost 350 million per team. It's a business. So, yeah, I would say in some capacity, you know, I was, I'm a big Sixers fan and a, a hot topic uh, in basketball, particularly with the Sixers, is um, some of the contracts of guys that we have that are expiring. These dudes were making 35 million three years ago when they signed the deal. And it seemed like unrealistic money and they played at the same level. They haven't improved. And today Tobias Harris looks like a deal at 35 million because that same player now of his caliber are signing deals for 45 and 50 million. So, I mean, the guy's a, an amazing talent. I watched like a little 30 minute uh, ESPN special on him and how he grew up. And the dude was hitting bombs when he was like nine years old. Um, he could arguably be the best baseball player of all time, 10 years down the road. Um, I'm sure it was a calculated decision that the Dodgers made. By the way, the Simpsons 
or somebody projected that he would be on the Dodgers, which is kind of crazy. It's another one of the <laughs> predictions that they've had that makes absolutely no sense. So, yeah, I'm excited to, to see him in L.A. He's going to get um, even more publicity than, than than he would anywhere else. And uh, I'm sure they they made the decision with their revenue in mind, and he's getting a small cut of a, a, a much bigger pie. There we go. Hey, way to bring basketball into the answer as well, bro. We appreciate that as always. And yes, the, love to play RJ in basketball and see who's an athlete. There we game. go. <laughs> uh, dude, hey, look, we're, we're going to get that PTD uh, pickup game going. Uh, and yes, the Simpsons did uh, predict this back in 2020. They actually did. All right, RJ, what are your <laughs> thoughts on uh, Otani? Yeah, I think he deserves it. And to Eric's point, I mean, he's a, a top player at two different positions. Um, looking here, the the top paid pitcher was making forty three million, and the top position player was making forty million. So based off of that, they're kind of getting a discount considering what he brings to the organization. Uh, and and on top of that, just being on the West Coast, uh, specifically L.A. now, and not being in Anaheim anymore, uh, you know, the, the amount of attention that they're going to get. With having him there, it's it's gonna kind of remind me of the days of uh, Ichiro in uh, Seattle, but it <laughs> I think it's gonna be even more crazy. Um, as a Rangers fan, I wish he would have come here. I know we were in talks to try to get him, but I think it's a great move by the Dodgers. I think it'll only benefit them, and I think he'll go down as one of the greatest players of all time. So I think he absolutely deserves it. There we go, R.J. Bates, the official spokesman of Otani. And the Los Angeles Dodgers. All right, CJ, what about your thoughts? 700 mil. Yeah, I think it's been said. I mean, I think he's worth that. I mean, this guy's a star. He's got global star power. Uh, the return that the organization is going to get on this investment is going to be astronomical in terms of market reach, in terms of merchandise. Uh, I think I read that the guy deferred uh, a ton of his salary because uh, he's already making so much money just from endorsements. I think $45 million a year or something I saw just in endorsements. Um, yeah, I mean, look, kid's a stud, man. I mean, you pay what people are worth, and and, and you do what you got to do. Absolutely. Uh, love that CJ brought in the deferment there. He's taken $2 mil a year over 10 years, and then $68 mil a year after that. And, yeah, he's got $45 mil in endorsements and opening day tickets – for uh, the Dodgers are $900 standing room only right there. there Marketing there machine. Go. All right, Steve, Shout what are your thoughts? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's without a doubt. I mean, like, I, like, like what these guys already said, I just want to first start off with, I'm disappointed that RJ is just only bringing race into this and just comparing him to Ichiro versus another <laughs> baseball player. Um, I, I want to start off there. Uh, second, um, you know, you're, you're worth what the market bears. And not only did he get that from the Dodgers, but he also got it from the Giants. The Giants are actually disappointed. Like, hey, like we made him the $700 million offer and then he went dark, kind of like us in wholesaling. Sometimes if we didn't do it right, we make an offer and the seller disappears. Um, and then I think, you know, uh, for baseball, it's not about getting a 5X R, uh, ROAS or return on ad spend. It's like, will you be profitable on this? And the answer is absolutely yes. So I think, uh, you know, to RJ's point, top player or RJ and, and EB's point top player in two important uh situations so I think without a doubt and just to uh follow up on Chris's point as far as the deferred payment this guy did a creative deal with a balloon payment right uh or a subsequent payment after 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 all this here's the great thing 
even if he wasn't making the 45 mil, right, uh, from endorsements, let's just take that completely off the table. He's got a $700 million contract, right? He can get tax-free money uh, for the next 10 years because he can do what all these top-level CEOs do where you don't get income. You get loans based off of your net worth, right? Get loans against your uh, your stock value, in this case, his contract worth. This guy is only going to pay taxes on this $2 million, but he's going to be able to live, if he wanted to, on $10, $20, 70000000 million a year because he can get loans based uh, loans against his net worth. Steve, uh, immediately when you started bringing up me and race, three Disney attorneys just walked into my <laughs> office saying, I told you so. So I appreciate that, man. Well, I, I retweeted uh, that one tweet. So yeah, just to help yeah, you really, out. Really appreciate that. No, the reason why I brought up Ichiro is because they're on the West Coast, just like in Seattle bringing over the Japanese media. I think the oh, Japanese unlike, media. Unlike the other hundreds or thousands of baseball players on the West Coast. <laughs> Kershaw, right. he's not He's not on the West Coast. Do the no, Japanese media flock to Clayton Kershaw? No, they don't. Yeah. Randy Johnson and Ken Griffey Jr., they didn't play for the, the Mariners. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Right. Whatever. <laughs> you, get, you get my point. <laughs> I, I I think the best part about this is is bringing up the deferment is that he literally doubled down in in like not only did he get the greatest contract ever in Major League Baseball history, but then even went out and beat Bobby Bonilla and was like, I'm gonna have a better Bonilla day than Bonilla himself. <laughs> Bonilla day like, of all time. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I think it, I saw that it matches up to where when Bobby Bonilla gets his last payment is when Otani starts getting his. So it's hilarious how like they're so connected there. Yeah, it's like 2033, 2034, something like that yeah, is when he yeah. starts. 68 mil a year after that. That's insane. Good for him. If you can make the if you can make if you can stretch your dollars based off the based off of CJ's projections, that might not be enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's all that's only if the hedge funds buy all the homes. That's uh, that's how that's gonna go down. All right, uh, on that one, love the love the dialogue. Uh, point point to uh, CJ on that one for knowing the deferment and uh, and the amount for the um, you know his uh, you know his for his forty five mil that he's got going on there. So point point to CJ on that one. All right, we're getting into our last question of the day. With it being Spotify rap season, as an entrepreneur. Whose content would make your year-end recap? Start us off, CJ. Man, um, it's for as much content as RJ does, he didn't make my he didn't make my list. Um, <laughs> ouch! <laughs> yeah, this guy's been live. It's three hundred sixty-five days a year. He's been live for three hundred fifty-seven of them. Um, just, just didn't make it. Um, you know who whose content. You know, there's a guy whose content I really like right now. I'm really into stand-up comedy. Um, but there's a phenomenal podcast, non-real estate related, I've, I've been enjoying, which is Theo Vaughn. Uh, his interviews are are dope, hilarious. He's quick. He's witty. Uh, he's a really good interviewer and pulling stories out of the, the guests that he brings on. Uh, so he, he would make my year and recap. I, I don't know about who else uh, in the real estate space, but... Uh, if RJ starts doing some paid content, 
um, then he can make my list for sure. There we go. Shot, shots fired from the CJ to the <laughs> RJ. There we go. All right, Steve, what, what are your thoughts? I wish it was, I, I wish I could say it was, this is RJ. Cause it does fall. It does land on my feed a lot. So Pat Hilton's doing a pretty good job there. Uh, but it's not, it's not. Uh, so the first one should not surprise anybody is Darren Hardy, right? Cause I listen to Darren daily with my kids every single morning when I take them to school, right? First and foremost, that's the first thing we do. Uh, but, but beyond that, the rest of the list might be surprising. I don't know. We got John Gray and John Gottman. You know, I'm doing everything I can to be the best husband I can be. So uh, John Gray wrote uh, Men Are From Mars, uh, Women Are From Venus. I went through that book twice. And then John Gottman, I've gone through multiple books by him about how to be a better man, how to be a better husband. Uh, so that's been my focus. If you go back to, you know, my solvable problem, my number one priority is to have a wife that feels cherished. Uh, number four on that list would be Alex Hermosi. Uh, he came out with $100 million leads. I've gone through gone through that a couple of times. And then the last one I would say is Paul Sparks. You know, um, we do a podcast together, but he has changed the way I process uh, business decisions, the way I approach my life uh, and, you know, in uh, multiple other ways. So I would say those are those are the five people on my list. I like how Steve gave us like a true Spotify. Here's my top five. Listen, 93,000 hours this year. Um, I thought that I, was the question. It, it was. I'm, I'm glad to see that you're following instructions. Uh, First time in my life, baby. <laughs> all right, Brewer, what about you? Who's making the cut? Um, I really, it's oddly enough, Chris, were you on here when we were talking? I was trying to get, RJ's never heard of Theo Vaughn. What? Crazy, right? Uh, dude Jeez. has like this unique knack for, he goes through these long periods of like serious dialogue where he gets like meaningful answers out of people. And then he does some of the most ridiculous <laughs> you've ever heard. So it's a really cool combination. Um, uh, Theo Vaughn, I, I watch a lot of his shorter clips like on uh, TikTok. And I literally find myself like laughing hysterically out loud at some of the stuff he says. Um, Joe Rogan uh, for me has always been a, a great interviewer. He has the, the knack to, to, to get some people that historically don't say a lot and he gets them to, to open up, um, on his platform and get them to say some, some rather shocking stuff. Um, I spent a lot, if you haven't seen the Joe Rogan, Mike Tyson interview, it's one of the best of all time. So those would be my two favorites. Very nice. Very nice. All right. Last, certainly not least, Mr. Hello, this is RJ. What about you? Yeah, so uh, funny enough, I give Steve all kinds of crap, but um, he actually made my Spotify wrapped. Um, I he was he was one of my top podcasts listened to. Um, really, it's only when I listen to myself on Part of the Disruption that's why he made it. But um, he was there. Um, uh, Robert Winsley, what he's doing with InvestorLift and their YouTube channel, I think is incredible. Uh, they're flying around the country. Like they just released a two-part series with Pace Morby. Um, you know, they've uh, did stuff with Jacob Blank. They've done stuff with Naaman Taylor, just other different people where it's like behind the scenes, actual real life footage of what's going on. So I think the Investor Lift YouTube channel has been like awesome the past couple months. And then uh, Ryan Benetta, I think the different guests that he brings on his podcast uh, it's really intriguing to, to see like, dude, he, when I was there for his podcast, the guy that came in right after me, it was a guy talking about, you need to drink your own urine. 
And I had to watch the, the podcast. It was like, what are we talking about? Um, it's just really intriguing. Uh, but I really don't try to consume a whole lot because there's so much out there. Um, I think you can get lost and kind of fall into that shiny object syndrome of following different people. So, yeah, you're right, Eric. I, I don't know who Theo Vaughn is because I kind of try to stay in my own little bubble. Unfortunately, Steve's a part of that bubble, so maybe that's part of my problem. That'll be an awesome two-part series where they have the guy that likes to eat ass followed by the guy that drinks drink. Business up front, party in the back. combo unit with RJ and the urine guy. Oh, we just want to explicit. We just want to explicit. That was the text that I sent you in confidence. I cannot believe you just told me. CJ leads us off with the F-bomb, and Eric ties it. Wraps up a nice bow with that. Happy, mer- happy birthday, Stephen Train. <laughs> hey, can I just throw out that when, when CJ did throw out the F-bomb, like I was actually frightened by the look on his face. Like I think he was actually mad at me. Nah, I, you couldn't make me upset, man. My life is too nice, man. I don't think I don't think CJ has the ability to be angrier for more than like two seconds. I think he's just too true. He's just too low key. There's no way you can see it. Too blessed to be stressed. There you go, EB. Shout out hey. to CJ's bank account. Yeah. I'm on your wrapped, right? You you are on my wrapped, RJ. You are. You you are every time something comes across, I'm like, all right, I gotta see, I gotta see what Pat put together. The there one yesterday, go. the consistency, dude, it had me dead. I'm not gonna hey, lie. You know uh, what that was? That's consistent as a tree, baby. That's right. <laughs> RJ is over here. Hello, this is RJ. This is RJ. I, are you ups- are you about to pick up the tree, Eric? You better have planted it, bro. <laughs> and died in like seven days. Of- <laughs> it wasn't very consistent. bush you sent me. It wasn't even a tree. It was like a, a Shrub. bush. You know you have I, to. Water, I planted it right? in one of my rentals in the city. It's got like a. A little patch of grass this big. I dug it up and put it right there. Literally died in three and a half weeks. Wow. Consistent. I tried. I watered it. I fed it. You don't feed trees. Maybe a little you grow or whatever. Miracle grow we put in there. Oh, man. All right. That's great. Hey, so the two that followed the instructions on this and gave us the full five, uh, that's going to be a point for uh, RJ, a point for Steve. But... Since RJ was so mean to me in the pregame here, uh, we're going to have to go with uh, Mr. Disruptor as the winner today, um, even though RJ is in my <laughs> Spotify, uh, you know, top five. So with that being said, it's with questionable judging that Steve wins this week, but it nonetheless, we have a winner. Um, we have had a blast today with you guys. Uh, it's good to see everybody, including uh, Vintage Brewer over there with the uh, – with the 1984 sweatsuit. I love that one. All right. We're going to go ahead and do outros. Steve, start us off as the uh, champion today. I think I, just to appreciate this moment today, I'm going to go back and watch Cool Runnings. Just really bring back those memories <laughs> of, the, of the bobsled team. It's kind of how I feel at the moment. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was good. It was fun. It was a fun debate. It's, I was a little worried, too. I thought I thought CJ was going to have to pull up on RJ, but it looks like everything's going to be all right. looks like everything you know, pulled out. <laughs> So, uh, great episode. I appreciate the new format. I hope everyone else appreciates the new format as well. I did put in the chat here, we're at 199 subscribers. So, if someone would just be so kind to please just 
subscribe, get us 200. It would really make my birthday, like CJ says. <laughs> every, every week, Steve's birthday around here when CJ shows up. <laughs> every week, yes. All right. Next up, Vintage Brewer. Go ahead and say bye to the people. Uh, yeah, I had fun today. It was cool. Uh, Leon texted me a few hours ago and asked me to to, to fill in for him. He was busy. Uh, turns out doing things that he really likes. That's fulfilling with people. He enjoys. <laughs> <laughs> he had to cross us off his list. I said begrudgingly uh, that I would do it, but I'm I'm glad that I did. Uh, it's good seeing everybody. That uh, turns out I like most of you. Plus Steve was here, so it was good to catch up with everybody. Um, and uh, look forward to playing RJ one on one in literally every sport. <laughs> uh, always, always good when you come in, bro. We we appreciate he's got it. Got a red solo cup. He's drinking a mudslide out of right now at three thirty <laughs> Eastern Standard Time. So I don't think I have much to be worried about. RJ RJ's always heavy on the Kahlua. He is. All right, RJ, say say bye to the people. Yeah, man. Shout out to Eric for coming back. Um, especially coming back looking like the white Charles Barkley with his old <laughs> the brown mound of rebound. We appreciate Chuck. you. Larry. <laughs> um, shout out to CJ man. Um, and shout out the hedge funds. Stay strong, baby. I got your back hedge funds. Um, and then, uh, Steve, man, I really appreciate all those kind words that you said this morning. I just wish you wouldn't have put everyone to sleep while you were trying to introduce me on the family mastermind call. And then, uh, yeah, Potter, always great to have you acting like China with your socialist judging. So appreciate you, man. All right. Calm down over there, Tink. Um, all right. Last, certainly not least, CJ, say bye to the people. Yeah, bye to the people, man. It's always a pleasure. Uh, Potter, good seeing you. Steve, Steven, rather. Happy birthday. Congrats on your win. Um, <laughs> EB, I love seeing you all the time. Your insights are appreciated. Hope you're doing well. Uh, don't be a stranger. Uh, I know, look, I, I believe you, man. There's better things to be doing. I got you. Uh, <laughs> RJ, look, RJ, there's not a world that exists you could get me upset uh, or or inspire me enough to come join you in the tink tank uh, over there in, that, in that, that, that dungeon that you got with the wood paneling. Uh, so I can just simply wish you the best, uh, you know, but, uh, a good show is always good to see you guys and, uh, peace out, man. Uh, absolutely. Greatest outros of all time right there. We appreciate everybody <laughs> tuning in. Uh, hope that you had as much fun watching us as we had, uh, doing the show. We will see y'all next week. Have a good one.